Hey everybody, Billy Rainford from Direct Motocross here with another Zoom video interview. This time we got a treat. Uh, we got a guy, he's announced his retirement. You know him, you love him. He's a six-time champ. I've got Colton Fasciotti here with us. Colton, thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> thanks. Glad to be on. Are, are you Are you just saying that? Well, it gives me something to do. It gets me oh. away from the uh, kids for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> That's good stuff. Good stuff. Because we got uh, we got a lot of stuff to go over. I, I mentioned uh, well, I talked to you before, and um, obviously with you retiring as six-time champ and everything, I wanted to do kind of something special. And I had a plan that I was going to have a video. You and I were going to stand at the starting gate at Gopher Dunes. We were going to leave the gate walking and talking. We we're going to start at the beginning. We we're going to do a loop of Gopher Dunes and end up in the shop where you are now working. And that kind of would have been your your whole life sort of thing. But coronavirus has put an end to that so we can't actually get together so i appreciate you doing this and we got a lot of stuff to talk about so uh how you feeling good good just uh been relaxing and enjoying the uh time with kids and stuff and getting some few chores here here and there done and yeah haven't been doing too much really just uh i don't know it's been pretty crazy with all this going on and everybody's going crazy in here now so it's uh <laughs> i'm ready for it to be over I like how you've gone to a haircut that can be done in-house. Well, yeah, there's there's a bit of a backstory to that. So basically, my wife thought it would be good to get some clippers and cut Keegan's hair. So she did the the eight on top or whatever, and then the, the two or the three on the sides. And looked good, looked all right. And then uh, my daughter got super pissed off that she didn't get to help cut his hair. So I was like, all right, you know, just take the longest clipper and start clipping my hair. What could go wrong, right? Anyways, she picks up the, the hair clipper, turns it upside down right away, right off the top, and just goes, like, basically to the skin. So <laughs> at that point, I was like, well, might as well just shave her all off. I can kind of look like Billy then. And all well, is you, good. Got, you got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. You got to take the guard off and then go for the straight razor to get the uh, the full wood here, the uh, old fact here. But okay, well, hey, I like it. it looks good. It was good. It'd be good for racing too. But uh, I thought maybe you're coming back or something. But, uh, I guess you could say that since we don't seem to be racing right now. Oh yeah, I was coming back. Yeah, maybe if there's only like one or two rounds, I could probably come back, make come back for that. <laughs> All right, Cole, we're gonna play a bit of This Is Your Life, man. I mean, because you got a, I mean, obviously a pretty storied career. You had some all kinds of. You've been everywhere. You've done almost everything. So we got it. We got a lot of stuff to cover. Fortunately, we're not going to run out of tape. Uh, so we're good. We, uh, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. So we can tangent off and talk about all kinds of stuff. But uh, I've got a bit of an outline here that I want to cover for sure. We had a couple of mail-in questions as well. So we're going to start off at Young Colton. So this is chapter oh, one. Chapter one, Young <laughs> Colton. Where, uh, tell, I, I know where you're from, but everything. But uh, tell us where you're from and everything. Uh, so I grew up in BC. Uh, throughout Langley, Aldergrove, um, basically started riding out there and kind of moved out this way later on in life. Right, right. Okay, now, um, like back in the day, I, yeah, I always say Aldergrove. Was it, that's, uh, cause I just talked to Kyle Beaton, too, and he was talking about you guys are twins. So. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had some good battles growing up. We pretty much went through all the classes together, so that was kind of uh, the rivalry there between between us two, I was kind of always a bit of ahead of them because I was a little bit taller, so I was always kind of moving up to the bigger bikes a little bit quicker than him. But we had some good, fun battles. I enjoyed that. Right, right. Yeah, I talked to him about that for sure. And he mentioned, obviously, you grew a little more than, than he did. 
But uh, okay, so but but to go right back to the beginning here. How uh, I mean, I don't think your parents were riders. How did you get into the sport in the first place? No, my parents didn't ride or anything like that. Um, my cousin actually raced, and um, just my parents took me to one of his. I think it was an arena cross race. Actually, I don't know where exactly it was. I can't remember, but um, I was just kind of memorized, mesmerized by it, and wanted a dirt bike from from there on out and um next next thing i knew at christmas i uncovered a it was a honda z50 um in the backyard there i took off the tarp and uh, there there i go i'm picking my nose and i'm already on camera <laughs> um yeah uncovered a bike and yeah pretty much been riding ever since Nice. So you had the classic come down. Was that like the last thing? Is oh look, there's one more gift here for Colton. Uh, I can't really remember. I like I don't really remember it to the T. But um, I just knew I was pretty stoked. And you're killing uh, your parents here. Come on, that was a big surprise. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just, what I remember from there is just ripping ripping the lawn up around the house. Uh, we had like just maybe like a little half acre lot or whatever and i wore a uh, tire tracks around the, the whole house and shot <laughs> <laughs> awesome hey i i forgot to mention off the top that this uh this interview is brought to you by sneaky weasel beer so thanks to sneaky weasel beer and that's the sound right there cheers colton uh, i'm not sure what you have there for a beverage i thought you were supplying the beverage bevy bevies well uh, go check the, go check the mailbox <laughs> scared of the coronavirus so i can't touch that yeah, true good point okay so you got the start from a cousin you went uh went to the races fell in love with it as every as every kid would when you see it and stuff like that now i've seen you with a few different numbers i mean back in the day 361 and everything but uh, what was your first race number and is there a story behind it uh there is a bit of a story to it actually kind of a funny one um so i went to i think it was my first race or or we were getting numbers for my first race and uh my dad ended up picking 89 because that was the year that I was born what or what he thought I was born which I'm actually born in 88 so it's kind of a funny story there so he was I mean I guess I forget when my kids were born half the time too so I don't really blame him for that that's funny that's see I actually I remember that because last time we did uh, I think the Friday update interview with you, you told that story. So that's pretty, I, I, I just like a lot of them were just, my dad wrote this number, blah, blah, blah. But stories yeah. like that are great. And by the way, 88 and 89 are two ugly numbers, I think. Oh, come on. I think we had that conversation too. Probably. <laughs> hey, but so back in the day, like when you were a little kid, what was young Colton Fasciati like in school? Like, were you a, were you a student? Um, I probably got in trouble here and there, but I feel like I was a pretty good kid. I started off as a good kid. Yeah. Turned a little bit bad, but, you know, I, I think it, uh, every kid kind of goes through that stage, right? Yeah, see, I know you're, you're, um, you're, you're kind of, uh, I mean, once you get to know you, you're not quiet, but you're kind of quiet, you're a bit shy and kind of thing, and sometimes those kids are uh, troublemakers in school. That's what I'm kind of picturing you as a bit of a, you know, throwing in the jabs here and there, getting moved to the front of the class. <laughs> well, I was, I was pretty well behaved. I, there was the odd time I had to sit in the hallway or whatever, but... Um, I think it just, I don't know, I, I think all my, or all my teachers usually just were like, they always thought that I didn't really put the effort into like my schoolwork and stuff because I always just wanted to ride. So I'd like 
do all my schoolwork really quick, so I didn't have any homework. So I basically never had homework. So the teachers would always be like, yeah, Colton just needs to apply himself, and he could do so much better. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my story on school, I guess you could say. Okay, now what, what uh, like back when you were a little kid, and uh, I mean – what year, what years are we talking here? Because I guess uh, who would your who's your motocross hero when you're a little kid? Um, growing up, it probably would have been like Darcy Lange, JSR, Blair Morgan, those guys. All Canadians. Um, you didn't mention an American. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really into the U.S. thing. Well, I guess probably um, McGrath would have been the other big one, the big U.S. guy that I was kind of into. But um, yeah. Mostly those guys, I guess you could say. Okay, now I kind of asked that too because uh, I mean, over the years we've uh, we always kind of rib you about the elbows in kind of thing. I was wondering if there was a rider like that, or because you know sometimes when you like talk to a guy like Chris Pomeroy who had Kevin Moore teach him to ride like this, so Pomeroy's elbows are always like this, and you ended up you tended to be a little more elbows in. I was wondering if there was someone that uh, you wrote. That's just natural. That's what happened. Yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of where I like my levers and stuff like I always found that like if I put my levers down I'd like I almost seemed to get like arm pump and just felt uncomfortable on the bike so I just kind of always put it where where my hands were comfortable and just yeah I was pretty stubborn I guess you could say so I didn't really take too many tips from other people especially when I was younger <laughs> did you have like a riding coach and stuff like that try to change the way you rode or you just uh, did your own um I'm sure I did like my dad um got me some lessons with uh what's his name uh Jay Whipple he taught me quite a bit um I think uh what was the other guy's name um there's a few guys anyways but um I don't think I like any or most kids I didn't listen to well (laughs) I think it was it wasn't probably until the Blackfoot days when I got together with JSR and Blair and those guys where I probably actually started listening. Okay, interesting. Now, now that that's that's chapter one for uh, for my question. Now, chapter two, we kind of head into your amateur days, and and I have to admit, I don't know anything about your amateur days. I mean, I moved out to BC, and you you were probably I mentioned to Kyle Beaton there when we were talking that I went to a Tawasson race one time, and I was just amazed at the two. At, I think it was him and Brady maybe on sixties. Maybe you were there too. Maybe it was you I was watching, but I don't really remember um like back in the day like were you like a little uh prodigy kind of thing back in the day I mean we have to assume you went pro at 14 so I'm assuming things happen fast yeah I mean I was kind of always the fastest one I think and I always tended to like move up to the next class as early as I could just to get more competition and stuff like that and um we did a lot of races in the states as well or just just across the border we didn't travel too far or anything but um there was a pretty cool track that was like three or four hours from our place called woodlands and we could ride there pretty much all year round they had a pretty good series there and changed up the track it was probably one of the funnest tracks i've been to just for just because it was so different every time you went it had like a bunch of different ways you could go and they would change up the track every time so it was pretty cool but um and that's that's kind of the reason why we would go down there is just to get a little bit more competition from uh, from those guys down there because there was a, quite a bit more faster guys down there. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, there um, we rode 
as much as we could in Canada too because it was you know that's where we're from and lots of local races and stuff and I mean it gets expensive traveling to all those races too right like we didn't go down to like I've never done Loretta's or I did do um big races that I did was um the world minis we went there pretty much every year we kind of made like a little vacation out of it so that was that was probably one of the funnest races too well let me i gotta ask you about that then world minis in las vegas we're talking here what um what class were you riding and what were some of your results there who, like who were you up against like who'd you come up through like who were the hot shots um i don't really remember too much really i i know one year um i was battling with alessia i think it was on 50s which I, I think I beat him a race or two, and then I think I had a bad qualifier, so I didn't, I didn't do very good in the overall. Cause that's how it worked was, you had to have a good qualifier and it counted as your points, blah blah blah. But um, there was always some pretty quick guys there, but that's the only real big name that I can kind of think of. Okay, now if we go back like over the, um, over the history books and stuff, did you have any titles and things like that, or at those? Um down there yeah like the world minis did you grab any there or no um i think i think my best was a third or a second i don't think i ever got a win okay now i i um i talked to some some of the guys from washington state like when we do our friday updates sometimes over the years they've had they've had numbers it you know the top 52 so they get a week dedicated to them and stuff and and some of them do mention that when you'd come down from uh, from bc i want to say in the super mini kind of years 80s whatever and stuff like that not the 1980s, the uh, 80cc bikes and uh, <laughs> super minis and things. But what uh, they said you were blazingly fast, and there's some. I think there's some really short video clips of some pretty good races down there. Now, do you remember going down like the, like you say the Washington State races must have been some pretty good battles. Yeah, for sure. There was uh, there was one kid, um, Brandon Layton. He was kind of like he was actually going to be the next. I think he was supposed to be the next. Ricky Carmichael or James Stewart or or whatever and he was kind of always the guy that I was chasing so um that was kind of a good thing to push for and always had some good competition down there I think uh well unfortunately he ended up uh getting in a bad accident and um he's no longer with us but uh yeah he was he was super good so yeah okay all right cool okay so you did uh now I I guess, I'm guessing, man, did you even go to junior? You went up to skip right into intermediate and then boom to pro? Like, what? To, how did that happen? Like, take us through your super mini to 14-year-old pro kind of thing. How'd that go? Yeah, so it was a little bit different for me because I, I think I rode the – we had a 110 or whatever it was, 110 or 112 and big wheel 80 or whatever you want to call it. And um, I rode that. I think I want to say I only rode it a few times in the junior class and then they bumped me up to the intermediate class pretty quick. So I don't think a lot of guys were too happy riding with uh, a young little shithead kid that <laughs> probably beat them more times out of, out of the 10. But um, it was, it was good for me because it, it gave me a little bit more competition. Right. I was going to say you're probably the most hated kid in junior. If you come up like that and all of a sudden, <laughs> so okay then uh, so what, now what about um you know intermediate year your very short stint in junior uh even in your super mini days while well, walton transcan yeah uh never really 
I don't think I ever really had a good Walton on amateurs. Like, I think I had some good motos, but there was always, I don't know, I hated that place, especially when it rained. It was the worst. Like, I just remember dreading, like, the night before it's just downpouring rain. And you're just like, yeah, you know, it's going to be bad. So, um, but I had a lot of fun. That was one of the funnest races going to just because it was, everybody was there. It was kind of a, good event it was a good event good atmosphere and um i i always enjoyed it just sitting around the campfire at night too and that's that's one of the one of the things that i've always enjoyed most about ride or racing dirt bikes is just the um the community and just going camping with your family and stuff like that that's that's one of those are pretty much all my best memories of motocross yeah, it's funny now. I mean, you get to, as you get a little older too, and now you have kids of your own and everything. You get a little more emotional, and you start thinking about that stuff, and you it really sinks in how good those days were, right? I'm I'm here at my mom's place, and we we're just talking about that. I threw in a 1986 video from Holly Gully earlier, and it's like, man, we just sat there talking about the good times. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just just amazing what you what you look back on. Yeah, for sure, it's crazy. Now, what about what about? Okay, so did you race? Uh, I'm gonna ask. I mean obviously the right the things are all there in the history books there the walton transcan book but uh, so as an intermediate racing the pro-am what kind of stuff did you touch did you yellow plate it with the uh the pros i don't was that even a thing back then <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> i don't even know to be honest um i know yeah i know that i know there was a quebec round like when we did um like when I went across Canada on, I think I was on 80s or I think I was on big wheel 80s or 100s or whatever I was saying there. And um, I tried to qualify for, I believe it was Latouque. It was the one with like the, the start and then there's a left-hander and there's a big uphill. Is that Latouque? Yeah, I, to be honest, I've never been to Latouque. Okay, well, anyways, um, I was on a 110 there and... I was in the intermediate class and we tried to qualify for the pro class. So I did practice and then a bunch of people got all pissed off or whatever that I was on a littler bike and that was the end of that. So I didn't, I didn't get to actually try out the pro-am on the, on the 110, but I, I did on 125 when I got on the 125, but I can't really recall any races. <laughs> Now, what year are we talking here? Oh, no clue. Oh, geez, I have to get a calculator out here to. Yeah, we need we need Galby in here. Yeah, he's more of the statistician. Huh? I know. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> all right, so now take us through the decision. Um, how this all came up? Kids, fourteen years old, decides to go professional. I mean, you get so many kids nowadays, or you know, you don't want to go that quickly. Take us through that pro thought process and whose idea was it, and did you have to, and how did that go? Um, well, it, it was pretty much, I had to, or else I wasn't riding in Canada. Um, I pointed, pointed out of the intermediate class, so they basically bumped me to pro and I mean, what, what else do you do? Right. Like we can afford, like, it's not cheap to just go race in the States every weekend and stuff. So, um, with, uh, Richmond Cowie and stuff like that, they, they gave me a ride to, to do the nationals and stuff and we thought it would be the best thing for me and I mean I think it was pretty good it was pretty tough uh couple learning years but um it, I progressed 
year after year. Okay, now let's uh, in in um, your amateur years, what were your injuries like? Were you uh, how how were you that way? Um, I was pretty good, like for most of my amateur career, like up to like till I got on like probably one twenty fives and stuff. Like, I don't think I, I think I actually bent my arm bone once. Believe it or not, my mom always said I was basically a, a rubber noodle out there. But um, so I had some pretty good luck for for most of those years and stayed out of trouble. But um, from like 14 to, I don't know, <laughs> till now, I broke quite a few bones from there. Right, right. Now, okay, now I was living out in Vancouver at the time when, uh, you know, when you were a first year pro and everything like that. And uh, I remember, you know, I remember I didn't realize you were only 14 at the time, but I remember there was all this talk about this kid. Nobody to me mentioned how oh, that you were only 14, for goodness sake. And, and I was kind of one of the guys who kind of was, I don't know if this kid's got it. Now, I know you've heard that before from some people, right? And it kind of pissed you off and it kind of even drove you to even work harder kind of thing, right? But the first, like you said, the first couple of years, like didn't go all that smoothly. Like how, what happened and how did the first couple of pro races go? We're on to chapter three, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they didn't go too good. I think the first race or my first like pro race that I, that I did was, um, it was at Nanaimo and i ran out of gas first moto so that that wasn't quite a good start and um just being a kid just not really knowing how to ride the bike proper and stuff and having bike problems and all that kind of stuff and i mean it was it was pretty brutal to say the least i mean you go from from winning every every race being an amateur and stuff and then going pro and getting beat and having bike problems and this and that it's pretty pretty hard mentally to kind of get through that and it took me a few years to kind of get past that yeah now, and it's easy for somebody on the side you know in your in your camp kind of thing trying to give you advice saying listen man you're 14 some of these guys are 20 have been doing pro races for six years you've got six years to progress to where they are but as a racer you just see man i'm getting beat and this gets pretty disheartening like so you didn't, did you get beat down? Did it motivate you? What kind of a, you know, what kind of person were you? Because some people would be like, ah, I'm out of here. Kind of like me. I said, I'm out of here. I went to university. <laughs> uh, I probably just made excuses and that kind of stuff. I was a pretty much excuse guy back then. But um, I don't know. I think it was just, I wasn't really surrounding myself with, with the best of people. And just, you know, just being a kid, really. And I mean, that's, that's, I think that's, probably why you know they see you move the age up or have the option to move it up because you know a lot of kids aren't that mature at that age and I probably wasn't mature enough but um that was kind of the direction that I was pointed so I kind of stick with it so um I don't know I would I wouldn't have changed anything you know there, there probably would have been a few things here and there but um I think overall I learned learned a lot of good stuff out of it and made me who I am today. Okay, yeah, so as a, okay, so you're a 14-year-old kid, full, you know, full support by the Richmond Kawasaki team and everything like that. What, what did you do for travel? Were you going back and forth? Were you on the road with your family? Were you on the road with, like, another team? Who were you? How did you travel? Um, I think I was flying to some of the races and then staying out with who I could. It would, it would kind of depend, really. It was kind of cheap as possible do what we can kind of thing but um 
mostly fly and and maybe stay out for a week here and there. Kind of what a lot of the guys do now. Kind of depends, really. Right now, now I um, I mean, sorry, under the bus here, but uh, no, I know that uh, you know you became very professional. A lot of kids look up to you and all that kind of stuff. But I remember when you were young, I hear stories that you're a bit of a troublemaker and stuff like that, right? So, do you want to tell? Is there anything you can say, or are you gonna just uh, plead the fifth here, or what, uh, anything you feel like you were a bit of a troublemaker? Yeah, I probably was. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that one bit. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you want me to say? I don't know. I, what what do makes I you tell the story where everybody had to leave because you were caught? Oh, never mind. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, we, no, no, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what would you say? Okay, so the first, um, I know you say, you say you were getting beat. It was tough to come in. What's the lesson that you learned from that as a little kid? Little kid, as a 14-year-old, getting these seasoned pros beating you. What was the lesson there, you think? I like just... Like time will take care of it, or work harder, train harder. What was the, what was the lesson? Yeah, I think it was just, you know, just not get frustrated and and just work on the things that that you can control, and and then a lot of that's just surrounding yourself with good people and good people that support you and and that kind of stuff, right? Right now, I mean, uh, those are. So in the Kawasaki days, we're still talking about here. I remember I used to do the road trip down to Washougal every year, down from Vancouver and everything. And I've got a, a photo that I, I got to find this photo. I just love this shot where you're down there in the number 361 and you're cutting between, I don't know if it's Michael Byrne and somebody else. And they're both, they're coming up horsepower Hill and you're scrubbing kind of before the, at the bottom. And they're both yeah. going, they're both like this looking at you. Like, who's this guy? And you're splitting them. It's like, talk about some of those Washougal trips and stuff like that. I mean, that was, that was a pretty good days. Yeah, that was, that was actually kind of a different one. Cause I think I was riding, I think I was riding 250 Fs that year and um i didn't i didn't have a very i think i blew up or maybe i was riding 450s anyways i didn't have a practice bike or something like that so i actually borrowed pat o'connor's stock 450 and uh took that down there and just decided to race so it was pretty cool and did all right did half decent i think i was maybe a place or two away from getting points or something like that but um it was pretty cool experience and that was one of the tracks that I rode um from time to time growing up and it was one of it was pretty cool tracks so it was pretty fun uh race to do yeah I guess it's kind of it's like Nanaimo but with hills right like it's slippery not as uh, tacky as people think it is but uh sort of similar yeah well when I first started riding it it was actually pretty good like the dirt was pretty awesome and then like I don't know, it just started deteriorating and getting like slipperier and slippery every year, it seemed like. And yeah, it's kind of kind of like a more hard packed dirt now. Okay, yeah. So okay, so you did some of those and we'll I guess moving from how long were you with the on the Kawasaki team, pro team? Uh up until I was seventeen or eighteen. So like three or four up, years. Up, kind of up until two thousand 2006 was my last year on the Richmond team. Okay, so then we'll uh, we'll turn the page here over to then. Is that when uh, Blackfoot uh, came to Corton? Yeah, yeah, that's when uh, Blackfoot stepped in and laid down the law for me. <laughs> okay, now yeah, now I talked to um, again I talked to Cal Beaton and we kind of joked about uh, the seriousness under the tent and stuff like that. And now he had his uh, hand slapped a couple times for uh, you know the, what was. You know, in hindsight, I mean, those guys are obviously great. I mean, they're they're famous for having said, "Hey, we run it like a business. When we're not making money with it, we're not going to be around anymore." And that's sort of what they did. Like, uh, what was the attitude under there for you? And did you did you enjoy it? 
Yeah, I always thought, I mean, from like the like the manager aspect owners, like they're pretty serious and stuff, but I think they they allowed us to still have fun and stuff, but um I mean, I remember my first interview with them like when I went and sat down, they were basically like this is what you're going to do. This is your trainer. This is where you're going to train. This, you're going to be here on this date. You're going to be here on that date. And if you don't like it, there's the door. So it was, uh, it was pretty intense meeting, but I knew, I knew they were a good team and, and I was signing up to do whatever they told me to do. If they told me to go jump off the bridge, I'd jump off the bridge. Right. So, um, it was kind of like my last, uh, I didn't, really ended off um the cowie days super good so um they were taking a bit of a chance on me and i wanted to make sure that you know i was going to do everything that i could to keep that ride and keep going with my career okay all right yeah and it sounds sounded like you were going to get into some kind of initiation story like some kind of a frat initiation no 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 <laughs> no <laughs> All right, now who who were your teammates with uh, with that that uh, the first year kind of thing? Uh, the first year would have been, I guess it would have been JSR and Blair and would have been Jimmy Nelson maybe. Okay. I don't know. Remember, remember when he got sideways at Nanaimo and didn't pull it back when he scrubbed and then landed sideways? Yes. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so that was so there you are. Like we, I. I knew those were your teammates, so I was kind of bringing that around because when you're a little kid, your heroes were JSR, Blair Morgan. Next thing you know, you're under the tent with those guys. And, I mean, talk about that. Like, uh, did you, how was that? Did you gel quickly, the competition side of it? Yeah, it was – I mean, it was pretty good. Um, JSR was always, like, pretty reserved. Like, he wouldn't really say much. Like, he's got all the, the, the hot secrets and stuff. So, I, I didn't think he wanted to tell me too much, but – Blair was kind of like an open book and I mean JSR opened up for sure but um, Blair was always kind of the one that uh, was always making funny jokes and stuff so he was he was a good teammate to have and kind of keep it light and stuff just kind of bring the the mood oh, he always brought the mood up around when he was around so he was he was uh, he's definitely one of my favorite uh, teammates over the years. Right now, I've got, I've got some old photos of, of course, with you, with the, the number ten on your bike, on the on the Blackfoot team, and there's stuff where you're ahead of Blair, the stuff where you're ahead of JSR. At what point did you kind of get in there and all of a sudden, like, look, boys, uh, we're turning a page here. The new guys in town, and you know, what time, you know, when you started beating them consistently, or some of the good battles, how did that, how that all go? Yeah, well, I mean, probably with my mentality, I always thought I could beat them, <laughs> which I mean. I feel like you kind of have to, like in this sport, in this day and age, you kind of have to have that mentality that that you're that you can be better than them. Uh, not necessarily if you are. Is my phone? No, you're back. I'm back. Okay, sorry about that. My phone's on twenty uh, percent, so uh -oh. better finish this out. <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Um, yeah, so. I don't know if I don't know what I really thought to be honest I think I was just always striving to beat them and I mean that's that's what everybody wants to do now it's just everybody wants to win right yeah no, no it's funny you mentioned uh 
JS Army was maybe not, I don't want to say aloof, but a little apart. I remember we all went to uh, England way back, man. What was that? 20, 2010, maybe 2009. I'm not sure when that was, but yeah, probably. There. I remember JSR literally saying to me, man, it's nice to have a grown up to talk to. Cause I mean, you know, <laughs> he's older, so he's <laughs> hey, come on. Maybe there was a bit of that. They got these, got these punks here. Yeah. They were my dads. They were looking after me. <laughs> How about that? You, uh, you won a, a British championship. Uh, some supercross ones. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. Right. But uh, yeah. yeah. So over there, like, uh, when did you start going over there? Um, whew, I think I started going over there when I was 14, I think was my first year going over there. And I think I went over there for, I don't know, six or seven years in a row till they didn't have a series anymore. But, um, I always enjoyed going over there. It was pretty cool. And I didn't really like the, the time changed too much or the food, <laughs> but, uh, the racing was always cool. And, um, there's some pretty fast guys over there. I remember, I remember actually going over there and, um, my, my 250F, it broke. So I borrowed some, a 125 from some guy and ended up actually winning on it. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, I'm again, talking to Kyle Beaton this week, we all went to on a trip with Tony Lane. You didn't, you didn't come with us. We all went and, uh, but although I didn't go to the mine with you guys either though. So uh, it's always kind of fun having Tony and uh, Rich Winkler and Dave Hallier taking us around and stuff like that. Or well, they were purists too. But Tony taking uh, us around. Those guys were, it was fun. You ever talk to Eddie Remmer? I haven't talked to him for a long time. I should get a hold of him on uh, on social media, see what he is up to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I did. I put a post of him up not too long ago and he commented on something, well, a long time ago. I'm actually going to interview uh, Rick Hammer Jackson, uh, Hammer Time, and uh, he, oh, yeah. he loved that kid. Just loved him. Yeah, so I remember we were over there, man. You, Colton, you were a big deal over there. The British people loved you, man. It was pretty good. Yeah, I I always had fun over there. It was it was some good times for sure. Okay, now that what we can quickly talk too about since we're into the Blackfoot days. Man, Motocross of Nations stuff. What would you – I mean, how many teams have you been on, Motocross of Nations? Do you know offhand? I believe five or six. Right, and what was six. your best overall finish? Your finish. My, your best, my best overall? Your best finish, yeah, in a, in a race. In a – like a moto? Yeah, sure, whatever. Whatever's the lower number. I, well, I know Bud's Creek. I think I got fifth overall in the in the Chief of DF class. Nice. That, will, that would probably be my best, I guess. I don't know what my moto scores were, anything like that, but I'm not too much of a guy for uh, stats or remembering any of that kind of stuff, so I just kind of remember bits and pieces here and there. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm, okay, now, speaking about Bud's Creek 2007, you didn't get to watch it. Well, you you saw some of it maybe in corners, but that ride by uh, Ryan Villapoto, best race ever or what? Well, yeah, he cheated off the start, though. What, cheated <laughs> well not really cheated he was given the inside gate. yeah so like the reason why he got the whole shot was because on the far left hand side that's where everybody went out for their sight lap or whatever so it was all packed down and then the, the rest of the gates were they tilled it super deep so the the guy on the inside had a huge advantage okay okay i see what you're saying okay well I mean, that's just a wily veteran using the knowledge. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, he, yeah, he ripped there for sure. Okay, now, okay, so motocross, your phone's dying here. We got, we got a bit, we got a bit of time. 
But now, yeah, I think we're good. We're good. Okay. But now, uh, talk, now you did a, a short. You did a short stint with the uh, the KTM guys too. There, remember a lot of people. Every time I come across a photo with you, number nine on a KTM, it looks so out of place. <laughs> yeah, those were those were a couple of years. I almost rather forget. Not not that it was a bad time or anything. It just a couple of injuries and just things didn't really work out the way that I wanted them to. Um, first year went was going good, and um, I think I separated my shoulder at the first round and tried to ride throughout the season with it and I think we called it a quits after go for dunes or something like that when it just I couldn't go on any longer and just decided it'd be better off to let it heal and get ready for next year and um coming into 2013 I was feeling pretty confident the bike was good everything was good and ended up getting hurt at the at Kamloops there and breaking my leg really bad and that was that was the end of the season so I mean th things can things can happen pretty quick in this sport and they can happen year after year I mean look at um you know there's been a few other guys that have injuries year after year and it's just bad timing this or that and it sucks yeah, right now is a good time to be injured, though, with the racing uh, on hold. So it would be nice to get your injuries done right now. But, you know, <laughs> you mentioned a couple of things. I've got – if I was if I wasn't so lazy, I'd be putting photos with all this stuff when I put it up. But I've got photos, like you mentioned, your shoulder. I've got Todd Shumlet trying to stretch out your shoulder. And this the the pained look in your face there that year when your shoulder was bad and stuff. And then – and I want to talk a bit about um, – I can't find any photos or video of this for, for my own personal stuff. But that Kamloops crash, that was a really weird – kind of a blind situation off that jump and you were down you got up and talk about that crash because that was that was a tough one man yeah it was just it was kind of weird I just lost my rear end and kind of just landed and tipped over it wasn't really that bad and I knew I was kind of on the back side of a blind jump so I was just I was kind of helpless there I, I knew the flagger had the flag out um and there wasn't much else I could do other than pick my bike up as quickly as I could and go um, maybe if I would have done it again I would have just ran off the side of the track I, I don't know if that would have helped or not but um, I think it was Tyler came over and he he came over pretty fast but he was he stopped just in time but he hit me and I kind of fell over again as I was picking my bike up and then on the second time of picking my bike up uh, Teddy Bear just bonsaied the jump and basically landed straight on me. So um, ended up shattering my hand uh, and breaking my tip and fib. And uh, it was just, oh, that was the worst injury just because I, I was sitting there and my foot was beside me and I was like, what do I do? Like I was freaking out. So I was like, I just basically picked up my foot and put it straight because I knew it had to go straight sooner or later, right? So um and then the first thing that the the medic comes over they're like kneeling on my leg and stuff like that and then they want to put me in a wheel barrel to get out of there and I'm like whoa 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 like it was just I don't know it was pretty crazy I just yeah, no I, I yeah I remember bad that memories <laughs> why are you bringing it up it's bad memories yeah I know sorry I don't mean to dwell on I have one more one more injury question actually I do have one more I have one more I want to mention there, right. what 
I always tell this, I don't know why I always tell this story, but I seem to always tell this story about how you went in, you, you went to get checked out because some, you were hurt, you were getting checked out, ended up, I think you were fine, but the doctors or something saw something and thought your neck was broken or something. But I want to say your mom said, no, no, that's just an old scar. Probably, probably. That sounds about right. I don't really remember it, but um, that's probably a story for her that she would remember. I have, she's scheduled for Thursday afternoon and interview with your mom. There we go. There we go. But no, I, I actually, I, I remember, I do remember getting a, a, a back x-ray or rib x-ray and they were like, yeah, do you know you, uh, you know, you had, you had, you broke your back. It looks like maybe a couple of years ago. And I was like, Oh, well, that, that makes sense. My, why my back was sore that whole season. Right. Like, <laughs> Oh man. Hey, I mentioned uh, Todd Shumlick too. Like how many years I know he came, he left your program and he came back to your program and stuff. Like talk about him. Like uh, when did he first get involved? And uh, you know, what? Uh, he's a, seems like a, I know him. He's a great guy. And so, uh, yeah, talk about Todd for the training program and everything. Yeah, we well, that was basically the the Blackfoot days when I started Blackfoot. They they told me I needed to uh, get a good trainer, and I think Blair suggested um, that I go with Todd. And I've pretty much been with him every year. Um, There's a couple of years where I wasn't, but it was basically the same program, anyways. I just kind of did it on my own, but um, um, always worked with him, and he's always been pretty good. Um, I remember St. Julie 20, what was it? I don't know what year it was. Anyways, um, in practice, I crashed pretty hard and hurt my collarbone or my shoulder. And I told him, can't ride. Like, I don't think I can do it. And uh, he got me, got it moving, whatever. Yep, it's good. It's not broken. You're, you're good. So I did like the first couple laps. I was like, going backwards and I was finally I was just like dude I gotta I gotta get going so and anyways uh, ended up winning both motos went to the doctor on Monday yep you got a broken collarbone <laughs> so then uh, I think I sat out go for the next weekend and then uh, ended up winning every single round after that so it was pretty pretty crazy here yeah you know it's just the, the mentality about injuries is so funny that you can take some pain until you know what the actual injury is. It's funny, you know? Yeah. And I think just because it was fresh too, it just it didn't really hurt that much. It, and I mean, you got so much adrenaline going and all that kind of stuff. And it was good to have somebody telling me that, you know, it's all good or whatever, and just kind of get my mind off it stuff. So it's, it's crazy what the mind can do. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. Now you racked up a whole bunch of, uh, 450 titles with the Blackfoot guys through those years and then uh, take us through the transition over to the Derek Schuster and the Gopher Dunes guys when uh, talk us through the, you know, the transition there. Yeah that was uh, well I had a couple of year, bad years at KTM and um, Derek came to me with uh, pretty big plans that he had in store with Honda and um, I was a little bit nervous at first. Um, he was going from basically running the B team to uh, running this A team. So um, I've been friends with him. I was friends with him for a while there and um, we made it, made a deal work and just been with them ever since. It was, uh, I think we both kind of took a chance on each other and it worked out. It worked out for the best. 
Right. Yeah. See, see, I remember the old days too, because I remember the first year what they're in uh, Nathan Bless's fifth wheel. And then the next year I drove that uh, safari van out West. And then the year after that, I think I drove their U-Haul van truck out there. So uh, yeah, didn't, you drive that, you, didn't you drive that U-Haul without brakes or something? Or oh yeah. I almost something. died in the mountains. <laughs> no, the power steering, the steering went out. Oh, right. <laughs> oh man. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. At the music crank coming down into into Washington State, pouring rain, two a.m. I should have been pulled over because I was so tired, and the steering went out on it. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah. so they've they've come a long way, that's for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I was yeah, those were good times. But uh, yeah, so then uh, okay, so then you head into the Gopher Dunes years. I mean, let's talk about some of your highlights there. I mean, this is where you ended your career, right? So uh, take it through the last couple of years, the highlights, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was always, I don't know, I feel like every year was kind of the same. Like, I always had a shot at the championship, and we did did our best every year. It was just, I mean, in this day and age, if you have something little go wrong or you're not quite on your A game or an injury, that's that's enough to, that's the difference between first and third or fourth, right? Everybody's kind of at their top of their level now everybody's training everybody's got good bikes everybody's got everything that they need um it's just kind of whoever puts it together and uh, I think these last couple of years I've been pretty smart on what I've done and you know the people that that are behind me and in my in my circle so I think that's that's definitely a big advantage now I gotta ask you too like I always make a joke like back you know I don't I like I steal Ricky Carmichael's line here. I don't make predictions. I do analysis, but it sounds just sounds good. But back in if somebody asked me to predict something, I would say, hey, if Colton Fasciotti's in the series, I don't bet against him. So I always I would always pick you for the 450 title, and I was right. Uh, I was right a bunch of times. So what's it like <laughs> being the guy with all these people nipping at your heels? Like, does that get tiring? Does that drain on you, or is it motivation? Or what? Are you like, oh my God, I gotta. I gotta win this thing again or is it like yeah man nobody's beating me what was the mental side I don't know I think I think there's always motivation to win I think it's always harder to win the year after you won the championship just because you're you know you're you're on that high and and all that kind of stuff but um I don't know I think I approached it pretty much the same every year and did what I could and just I don't know I, I think the biggest, most draining part for me was just the training aspect of it. I've never been one to like training. Like, I don't just go for a road bike for fun. Like, that's that's work for me. So, I, I know you probably like to go for road bikes, right? Like, I don't I don't enjoy that kind of stuff. I don't enjoy working out. It's just it's kind of more so part of the job. Like. I enjoy going for like a mountain bike ride or something with some friends and hanging out, stuff like that. But um, when it, when it gets to the nitty gritty, I don't, I don't like working out. <laughs> right. Right. I guess, I mean, that too, that you were always obviously one of the guys who was a naturally talented rider. You can see it in your style, right. You know, pretty smooth and everything. And uh, sometimes that can be a curse. Some, you know what I mean? But uh, you managed somehow you're mentally strong enough to say, I have to do this to keep performing, right? But uh, so what, I also talked to you about this already again, but uh, maybe tell people who are listening now that like, at what point did you know this was your last year? I mean, you had that terrible crash to end the year before. And I always say like, man, that could have either sent him packing or it's like, I can't end my career on that. 
So then you came back, but I talked to you and you said that, I mean, you told me flat out that you were, you were over the training. You were, you were at some point you were kind of done. Yeah. Um, well, I made the decision, um, after, after the previous season that, um, that it was going to be my last year. Um, and previous to that season, I was like, you know, I didn't really know if I wanted to retire and I didn't really have my game plan set for after racing quite ready to go. So I figured, you know, give it another shot. Let's go. Um, and I can figure out next year if, if it's going to be my year to retire. So did that year and things went good. And um, I figured I'd give it one more shot at the very end. I knew it'd be my last year. Um, and round round one, I knew I knew right away that it was I made a good choice and and that I wanted to retire. It was just it was still fun. Like I enjoyed it, and but it was just my my head wasn't there. Um, I didn't feel like I could push as hard as I wanted to. Like I could see like there was like this one section on the track where guys were just going wide open I was like nope not for me I, I'm not doing that anymore like I'm not putting my life on the line for for that extra quarter or second a lap right so um when it comes to that then it's it's definitely time to retire and um I've done everything that you know I, I kind of wanted to do and how's that sneaky weasel is that what it is sneaky weasel yeah you can't, you can't see it when you're talking though it goes to you but now you can see it because I'm talking <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i i kind of knew it was time and uh, i think i made a good choice so i was and definitely have no no regrets no regrets <laughs> right now i gotta i have to ask you were you were you surprised that you won that 450 title again in your last year or did that surprise you or you said the first your first race you said it was a good decision but you had to be pretty surprised with that competition uh not surprised yeah, I mean, I I definitely prepared to to win. That's that's what I wanted to do. But um, I I knew it was gonna be tough. Like like the talent that we had last year was pretty unreal. And I mean, those guys were pushing hard every moto. They didn't give me any inch for sure. And um, I think just because I had a good, I think I kind of set the tone the first few rounds, and I was able to just kind of maintained throughout the year that definitely helped me okay cool man all right so uh we're still in chapter three here your pro years uh we just talked about your retirement obviously um that's uh, i was gonna ask you i gotta ask you this what was your greatest race of all time i know you hate this question uh that would have been my st julie race where i broke my collarbone and still won both motos okay that's cool okay i like i like that answer how about um your favorite bike you rode of all time if you can say, don't you, you say? Favorite bike? Yeah. Uh, my bike this year was pretty wicked. I would say that would that'd be my favorite bike. I feel like the bikes have gotten better every year. So um, probably be my last year's bike. Do you miss two strokes? I do. I haven't, I don't even think I've ridden one in the last thing. Wow. I can't remember the last time I've ridden one, probably five or six years at least. But um, I wouldn't mind getting an old one, kind of restoring it and going out riding. That'd be fun. Hey, what about, uh, you know what we need? We need a lot more of you on some of Frank Schuster's 500s. That's what we need. No. 
No, that that bike was scary to ride. <laughs> or it wasn't Frank's that I rode. I rode some other guys. It was uh, what was it? Nineteen? I think it was the same year that I was born. Um. Anyways, the thing was just a beast. Like, I almost looped it out. The foot pegs were like. They were like slanted down, so like my feet kept on falling off. The suspension didn't work. I was like, "Oh, this thing is no fun." <laughs> okay, well, okay. I'll ask you a couple of the best of kind of questions. Well, okay, favorite track you ever rode? Favorite track? Um, I I always I've always liked the Calgary track. Just I don't really like the dirt so much, but um, the track is probably one of the coolest layouts that we have on the series. Okay, how about uh, best biggest rival? Biggest rival? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I haven't really had any. Like, I've I've had some, but they're usually just for like a year. Like, I mean, I always had like a rivalry going with like Brady Sharon and Kyle Beaton and stuff like that. I could, I guess that was kind of like one of them. Um, Cole Thompson for the one year there there hasn't really been like too many like big like long like ones that have lasted a long time or anything like that so I feel like I've kind of kept under the radar on that okay well that's that's always a good way to go you know but speaking of that how about um there's quite a bit of, like there are a few different camps there this pat your past year kind of thing what what would you say like some of the drama I want I want to say between you maybe Phil Nicoletti Cole Thompson, that kind of stuff, like the the group there. What was what was the whole like from your from your perspective? How did all that go? I mean, there always seemed to be something going on during or after a race. Which which incident are we talking about? I don't know. Do you have one you could think of? I don't know. No, everything was fine from your perspective. I'm just asking your perspective. For, like like well, in general, in yeah, general, right. as usual. But there always there's a little more heated conflicts seem to be going on the past little bit. Than years past. Like, are we talking this year, year before, or what? Yeah, both, kind of both. When uh, basically I named the three riders, you, Phil, and Cole, kind of thing. It was always, I don't know, things seem to be kind of going, uh, you know, in and out, good and bad. No. no. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, I think at any time when you put guys that are as close as us, that you know, little things is going to happen here or there. I mean, that's that's racing I guess and everybody wants to win and they'll do anything that they can you know some people want to take little chirps here and there or whatever that's just how it goes right do you think um hundred thousand dollar prize that add anything to the mix you think um yeah I mean anytime you add money on the line it's it's definitely going to intensify those things um but I mean, everybody wants to win, anyways. I mean, I don't, I don't do it for the money either. So, um, but it definitely, it definitely helps when, when there's a big paycheck at the at the end of the tunnel, right? Right, right. Hey, what what year did you make your most money? <laughs> How's that for a question? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the most <laughs> money, huh? probably. Well, I don't know. It'd be hard to say because there was there Mac. There was that max money the one year, right? What year was that? Oh, man, I don't know. The Couchetard? Yeah. I'm not sure. I only know how to say it in French. That's all I know. That would have been Blackfoot days, but um, I don't know. Probably, probably the last few years, anyways. 
Okay, well, that's good. Sorry. And I, again, I asked that because as a fan, it was kind of fun to watch the drama. There always seemed to be something going on between, you know, somewhere in there. So it was kind of fun to watch. I just was curious if it was stressful at your end. And it sounds like you're just saying, man, just business as usual, racing, racing is racing, I guess, right? Yeah, there's always, I mean, there's been years that, you know, stuff has happened like that. Um, I mean, even the year, like, when, like, me and Dusty were going at it for a championship and we're under the same tent. So it's, it's always pretty crazy especially when you're under the same tent you know even even this year with you know me and Mike um, going into the last round with only a few points apart it's pretty stressful as well and, I mean that's it's it, I guess I don't know if it's better to have it as your teammate or if it's if it's worse I don't I don't know but for me it's it's just as stressful really <laughs> right sorry Mike was another name I wanted to throw in there for the drama side of stuff just uh, the again you guys are all so close in speed and going at it and it just uh it always seemed that something was going to happen at the end of the day there was always something to talk about that's all it was kind of from my perspective yeah, fun. yeah there probably was there's little things here and there but I mean it it is what it is and yeah. that's just that's part of racing right all right cool well that's gonna Stop end to dig. what's that Stop trying to dig. Well, you gotta, you gotta keep people. We're getting late in the interview. You gotta keep people. They're gonna be shutting off. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so that ends chapter three. Now let's, we're gonna talk about just what you're doing now. We'll, we'll finish it up. So you gotta, you have a couple of percentages left on your phone. Uh, can I, can I? I don't know. You're gonna shut it all off. You're gonna cancel the whole thing. I, I got eight percent. Okay, we're getting close. Okay. Yeah. So you said you kind of went this last year too, you didn't have your uh, ducks in a row for what you were going to do post-racing. Uh, and now this uh, SSS, Superior Suspension Settings thing has come along. Is that, did that help? Like, when did you know you are going to be doing that afterwards? Yeah, I've been uh, basically in 2016, I believe it was, 20, 2016. Um, I was talking with Joe about uh, doing some suspension and kind of put a, plan into place and it was kind of a few-year plan and, um, you know, kind of have me do some suspension and um, it really came together last last year and, um, you know, I've been working with him, uh, going up to his place quite a bit and learning it all and going through it and um, he's been pretty awesome. Um, he's been really, really helping me out with that and anything I'm anything I need he's he's there to help and um, he's basically been, been like a dad to me so it's it's pretty awesome and it's something that uh, you know I've wanted to do for for a long time it's it's something that I've always really enjoyed um, on the dirt bike is is having a bike that's set up really good um, I think I, I well I know a lot of guys that have hopped on my bike and were like, man, your bike works so good. And it's, it's cause I've put a lot of time into effort into like just fine tuning and getting it to how I like it. And I mean, if you can make your bike work super good, it just means that it's going to be less work for you on, on the racetrack. So um, I've always enjoyed that and to, to actually be doing it and, tinkering with it and you know doing testing and stuff it's it's pretty cool and and i've been really enjoying it so far that's good hey are you as uh were you as tough on rear brakes your final year as you were way back in the day no 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 we're 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 all good we're all good there now <laughs> dylan's dylan's a tough guy on the rear brakes now so i gotta teach him oh, i think good. my uh so my first year blackfoot my rear my rear brake 
parts budget was $3,200, believe it or not. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I've been getting slowly. Every year I got better and better. I think this last year was probably, I would say it was my best year on back brake pads. Now, did, did I hear stories like back in the day, didn't you have to go searching different brands for different stronger brake pads? So you're like just all over the place trying to solve the problem? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would. We would try every single brake pad out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, speaking of your SSS thing, you're, for people who don't know, you're now upstairs at the Gopher Dune shop, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm working out of there. So it's I get to uh, get to bug Diggy every day and hang out with Justin and the boys. And yeah, it's been good. It's awesome. And how is business? That's that, how's business? Is, it, is there business now? Are you still able to do stuff? Uh, yeah. Well, right now I'm not doing anything, but... Um, I'm hoping this uh, coronavirus or whatever gets uh, undergoing pretty soon. And everybody can get back to their uh, normal life. But uh, just been, uh, I've been there a few times, just getting everything set up to exactly how I wanted it and stuff. It gives me a little bit of time to uh, get everything organized. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, ready to go when this is all over. <laughs> you know, I, last time I was at Gopher Dunes, I, you were out uh, cleaning your bike and stuff. And, uh, and Keegan was there, and you were trying to. <laughs> I saw, I saw the potential for a fifty dad there. You went, uh, you had to stop everything you're doing, and he had splashed your daughter, and you, <laughs> you had to stop everything and, and uh, start yelling at the kids. And, oh yeah, yeah, are you, are you ready? Uh, yeah, he's pretty crazy. So, yeah, it's gonna be interesting uh, seeing him grow up and and race and all that kind of stuff. I'm looking forward to it. That's that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I retired is because I I enjoy watching him ride more than than myself going riding so um, it's gonna be I'm looking forward to the next few years going going to Walton and stuff like that and hopefully we can get back to these races pretty soon that's cool man be, that's, that's always fun again it was fun again one of your rivals throughout the years Tyler Medaglia it's fun to see him at the races too with his kids and stuff like that so it's gonna be cool to see the Fasciati Medaglia battles go on in the future Oh, yeah. I think they got a couple of years ahead of us, so we got yeah. our work cut out for us. Well, he's anything like you, he's going to be up there battling when he's super young. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hey, uh, what about um, you're not done with the uh, GDR Honda Fox Racing Team, though. You are now kind of the uh, mentor, team guy. What's, uh, what's your role here as we go forward? Um, I got to think of what my role name was. It's... Uh, technical director what does that even mean i don't know you figure it out <laughs> uh basically i'm gonna be the guy at the races um overseeing the guys uh you know helping them out with lines and suspension setup all that kind of stuff and just make sure everything kind of runs smoothly so um that i'm super super pumped about too so that doing that and, and the suspension and all that kind of stuff, uh, keeping busy. So, yeah. So you'll be walking around with a headset on? Uh, only if Derek doesn't have one on. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, are the, are the riders going to have headsets this year? That's right. I guess so, right? Yeah, so we'll be talking to the mechanic. We'll be talking to the rider. That's going to be pretty cool yeah, yeah, if it awesome. happens. Uh, is it for sure happening? I heard it. Like, I've seen a press release or something but i wasn't too sure what what's going on with that yeah the deal is it was announced i mean uh, i certainly put out a press release so it's uh hopefully hopefully i wasn't uh, making stuff up 
I wonder if the riders can have like a mute button on there so they can mute their mechanic or team manager. See, there's going to be the next <laughs> question. Who's, who's muting who? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so what, we're, in this, we're in this coronavirus virus thing. We're all isolated. You're famous for being like a gamer. Are you, uh, are you crazy on the hockey sale? What are you doing these days on video games? Uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been into the hockey, but um, I was kind of getting over it a little bit, and I ended up uh, downloading the Super S3. So I've been playing that quite a bit and getting half decent at it now. I've been racing quite a few guys on there, so it's, it's a pretty fun game, actually. I'm into okay, yeah, it. I played it down at the old Brendan Goldstein's down there in Palm Coast, Florida. And yeah, at first, you're not very good at it. It's a, it's a, bit, it's a bit realistic. Yeah, you got to put like thirty hours into it before you're half decent. So, and I probably got I probably got forty into it now. So, I'm working on it, uh, working in progress. Somebody's got to do it, right? Well, hey, okay. So, um, well, I know your phone's about to die, and we got you've probably got at least five percent of thank yous to do. But uh, let's. Um, <laughs> how about one last question for me, and then I have one another question from uh, social media that was asked. What after all this is said and done, what is your advice? to a young kid or a family, a parent getting into the sport? What's in a piece of advice you'd like to, you know, put out there? Oof, that's like, that's a big one. Like real big, that's a big ask. Say, eat, eat your vegetables, how about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, I've probably been asked that question a million times and I've probably answered it different every time. So don't take what I say seriously <laughs> I don't know but I think it's just focus on what you can and like just do as best as you can really like there's I don't know that's terrible that's terrible advice I'm sorry well, well, okay, well, but all said and done your career your racing your pro racing career is done what, what are you most proud of I guess that will kind of direct us to that you know what I mean like you're always a guy you're a stand-up dude like what you know what I mean what, what are you proud of in your career championships yeah um, I think I'm just proud of like how I've progressed as a rider and as a human being, I think, like, I think everybody changes. So, um, just strive to be a better person and, um, a better rider. And I think you're good from there. Okay. <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs> okay well hey by the way one of the uh one of the allisons it was jared parker it might have been laurie i'm not sure they wanted they to all look, they all look the same they do i know they Lori, both look the same can't tell no, she, Lori she doesn't look the same <laughs> uh, he wanted to know back in those uh the blackfoot days he said from 09 to 12 kind of thing was winning as easy as it looked they said like sometimes it looked like you made it it was so easy were those like some of the easier days back then or maybe it was competition based or were those easy days to win what you wanted to know that's a good question um i think every like every single one of my best races like there there's been probably maybe i don't know 15 of them they they've all been the easiest like the my best races have been the easiest ones and some of the worst races have been the hardest ones. It's just, I think when you put too much effort in, it just, you kind of go backwards. And sometimes when you just roll with it and it just comes easy. 
Yeah, I wonder if I wonder how many other sports are like that. The days you win are the easiest days. It seems, sounds crazy. The days you go the fastest were the easiest, which makes no sense really. But yeah, I think it's just I think it's a combination of just having the right setup and right mindset, and you know the the earth aligning with the the sun and everything just working out perfectly. Right? Like I don't know. Yeah, and I, I remember you used to say too. I think you kind of said too. Maybe as you get older, it's harder to do this, but when you could just shut your brain off and just go, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, when I was younger, it was, I probably didn't think too much, but I'm, and now that I got older, you, you think a lot more about kind of every little aspect. And I think it's good in some sense and, and good, good in some other, or good and bad in some other senses. Right. Okay. I got well, another question here from a, uh, uh, a young, a young child, a young kid out in uh, the Ottawa area named Kevin Tyler was wondering, <laughs> and it sounded like a bit of a loaded question, but he said that, is there a team out there that you never got, got to ride for but that you always wish that you did? Oh, I would have for sure rode for Kev. I would have. I think I actually, I think I, I, I actually called him for a ride one year. He turned me down. Because you want to Uh, Probably. Probably. Okay. He turned me down. I'm, let's leave it at that. He turned me down. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, he shot. Yeah, there, there you go, Kevin. There's your answer. You, you told him no. <laughs> for your team. He always wanted to ride for you. Now, and someone else asked about, uh, well, I had a few other questions too, but I was going to save this question, but we kind of talked about it too. He wanted to talk about your 80 days back, with the, uh, back in the day that you ripped back when you were a kid, but we covered that and stuff. But uh, so I think we've covered everything. Have we, I think we've covered everything, Colton. I really appreciate uh, going down memory lane there with you. Yeah, I hope uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. I don't know. My memory. I'm sorry, my memory isn't as good as it ever was. It's never been that good. But I wish I could remember a little bit more. Ah, hey, we all. Well, back, hey, back in my day, there was no such thing as concussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had my fair share of those. That's for sure. All right, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you, uh, your time doing this. Um, before we, oh, oh, two o'clock. I think our, my, our clock just chimed two and it's eight o'clock. But, uh, hey, uh, before, <laughs> before we let you go, by the way, we can all see that cool uh, Blair Morgan uh, Team Canada jersey over your left shoulder. So that's cool to see. Yeah. ASR, Passiati. On that's, uh, those ones are all from, uh, those ones are from, all from Bud's Creek. Oh yeah, I'll have to dig out some photos of that then for sure. Okay, well, um, but then again, we appreciate your time. That was fun to go through. I mean, obviously, we had tons of stuff we could talk to, uh, talk about, and everything like that. But um, man, yeah, I appreciate your time. And who would you like? To, I mean, I don't know where you start and finish on this thank you list over the years, but would you like to thank some people? Well, I'll thank a few. Thank you for having me on. It's been pretty fun. Um, obviously, my wife and kids and my parents for uh, putting everything into it over the years and um, obviously my team GDR Honda and everybody thanks all right oh I guess I should have asked you about that too because we of course have the photos of you taking a knee at uh, Walton and proposing to Jocelyn oh yeah 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 that was probably uh, my most nervous moment that ever <laughs> proposing uh, that's great okay man well hey congratulations on an amazing career six-time champ that's going to be a tough one to beat I've asked a few people about, uh, you know, who's the next guy? We're trying to figure out who's the next, who's going to dominate like you did. It's going to be uh, big shoes to fill, obviously. So, uh, man, congrats on an amazing career, family, and uh, the future with your new suspension. So if anybody's looking for a suspension, go see Colton. 
give him a call there. Can we? How do we get you on the phone? I still got my BC number. <laughs> okay, so call him. Call him on his BC number. Get the suspension dialed in. There we go. Time champ, Cole. All right, Cole. We'll leave it there. And uh, thank you very much. And uh, man, keep in touch, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye.